Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. Dave Cole here, CEO, founder, EMX Royalty Corporation. And I believe you know what we do. We accumulate royalties on mining projects around the world and have uh, very successfully for 19 and a half years built a portfolio where we touch nearly 5 million acres of mineral rights now. Um, Matt, and pleasure to be back. Well, yeah, good to see you. Good to see you. I think last time I saw you, we were in Quebec City together up on stage. Uh, exciting times. That's right. I, I yeah. Hope, I hope to see you there next year as well. Hey, look, um, Q2 numbers are out. Um, I mean, the first thing yeah. I've got to say is, you know, you've been at this a while. You should be making money. Looks like Q2, you didn't make any money. <laughs> yes. So the, the, the reported net loss of 4.1 million, um, is, is uh, largely almost entirely due to non-cash items that are just accounting items, including the following. The adjustment of the portfolio of, of shares that have been paid to us, part and parcel to the deals we've done. It's, it's, a, it's a nice fat portfolio, close to $20 million worth of assets. Uh, it has to be marked to market every quarter, right? So that's a non-cash item. That's just an adjustment of the value of that is marked to market. That resulted in roughly a $4 million loss right there. Then there's a currency issue. Uh, we have debt in USD. We have cash in USD. We account in CAD. So every every quarter, there's a substantial move, a small move in, in the Canadian USD uh, exchange rate uh, causes a big move that has to be adjusted in some quarters. It's up, some quarters it's down. This one was down, has no material impact on the business whatsoever. And I could go on and on. But here, here's the nuts and bolts that everybody should understand. We had a record revenue of over $12 million for the quarter, and our positive EBITDA for the quarter was $6.1 million US, uh, excuse me, CAD. Okay. I, I, I so do. After you boil down all that counting mumbo jumbo, that's, that's what you need to know. Well, I, I kind of like the mumbo jumbo because, you know, I think one of the accusations thrown at you guys is your GNA is so big. And you've explained why when, we're, we, when we were in um, Quebec City, but it's worth saying again. again. Let's do it again because, you know, 12 million sounds like a lot. And then you're going to lose 4 million. That sounds like, Jesus, a seriously expensive business. So, so far I've got, okay, share adjustment of 4 million bucks, minus 4 million bucks. It, it's, it kind of swings and roundabouts, right? So, you know, next quarter they could be up. Who knows? Let's, let's hope they are. Um, you know, the, the FX side of things, okay, you know, you have to account for that. It doesn't affect your yeah. business because cash is still in your in your bank. It's it's, it's a question of re reporting. But I need to know what the, the, those other items are. So I want to see how close you are or, you know, how, how much empathy I should have for your position. That's a, that's a fair question. So share-based compensation is another one because in the quarter we did all of our option, option issuance for the year. And that's $2.7 million right there. Then amortization and depletion, that, those are just a, a, a accounting thing. That's $1.3 million. Finance charges 1.7. That is actual cash, but of course, that's not included in EBITDA. And the fair value adjustments of 4.4, and then the currency adjustments of another four. Uh, you know, before you know it, you're, you're in negative territory, largely due to non-cash issues um, that are not effective on the actual core business. What is? is we have positive EBITDA of 6.1 million for the quarter on record revenue of over 12 million Canadian dollars. Right. And uh, we're, we're and, and, and the coming out party for EMX as we continue to increase our cash flow, uh, will continue into 23 as we start to receive revenues from Getik Tepe, Balia, and Timok. Okay, you very, like, okay, go on, you can say that. Yeah, I'd like, also like to point out that the substantial cash flow that we get from 
Casarones, uh, the copper molybdenum mine in Chile, which is approximately seven and a half million after tax US dollars that are repatriated to Canada. That's actual cash coming in the door. We get paid monthly. The uh, Because we own under 50% of the shares in the company that owns the royalty, we have to do equity accounting on that. So therefore, it is not included in the official top line number. So it's another piece of accounting mumbo jumbo. It does not mean that the cash is not coming in. That's 3.1 million US, excuse me, 3.1 million CAD this quarter is the difference there. And that's why we show the actual top line revenue as reported that meet gap. And then we have the adjusted one that we report as well. And that's the adjusted number is the is the 12 point X. Okay. 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 That, that, that paints a slightly healthier picture. Um, so that's, that's the 3.1 3 on that um, EMX subsidiary on, on Castorinix. Okay. Um, so I guess cumulatively, that, that, that's, a, that's a different story from the one that you've reported. So can we, do you mind if we kind of get into the weeds with like some of the, some of the terminology, some of the things that you were dealing with? You, you talked about fair value losses on, on investments um, yes. there. Is it a case of swings and roundabouts? You know, okay, this month you're down. You need, if the markets recover, then it, it's all good again. Is, is that a kind of fair way to actually present that information then? Whether it's a fair way or not is uh, in the eye of the beholder. It is what meets the law. And we have to report it the way the law states. And the law states so we have to mark to market our entire portfolio. And even though we call it the investment portfolio, Matt, the vast majority of the shares that are in that portfolio are paid to us at no cost basis with the deal flow that we have done where we have sold assets around the world to uh, junior companies around the world that pay us in shares and there's commonly annual payments that come into us and so we have this portfolio of stock that's one of the key assets we have we commonly sell that stock into the market over time to capture that value uh, for our shareholders and to reinvest those monies doing other things um, but we have to mark to market the entire portfolio every quarter. And of course, the, the uh, capital markets in the natural resource space have been hammered over the last quarter. So our portfolio of securities went down by over $4 million. And that has to hit, that hits our, our number, right? right? Even though that's non-cash. Okay, so, so that's kind of, you know, again, people to view it in different ways. You know, you value it in different ways, you know. So when the market is mm -hmm. down like this, people are looking at it negatively when it's up. They're losing their minds. Um, do you do you think mm -hmm. it's and in fact how how do you as a company value? Do you say well that's that's the book value um, quarter by quarter? Do you look at it on a daily basis or do you value it at zero until you like cash it in? You know, make it liquid. We actually have an adjustment um, that we use when we calculate our internal calculation for our NAV with respect to share payments, and we look at the history of the shares that we've been paid. And then how much we've typically actuated when we've sold those shares on into the market. And then we come up with a ratio. Uh, and, you know, we, we tend to take a conservative look at that for our own internal analysis of around 80%. We typically get about 80% of the value of the stock that's been um, 80%. Okay. That's interesting. But there's many times when we get over 100%, you know, because sometimes companies do very well, right? And we capture that. And, and, and the share payments, we've done very well with the share payments for the assets that we have sold creating new royalties over the course of the last 19 years. And it's another aspect of optionality, another aspect of upside uh, for the EMX shareholder 
is our management of this share portfolio. Uh, It's worked out astonishingly well for us with many, many, many tens of millions of dollars of of share payments that have occurred over the course of the last 19 years. Yeah, I guess there's an audience that, you know, um, here who probably would want to kind of try and model all of this stuff, but there's there's so many, and this is the problem with, uh, you know, this whole royalty streaming project generation stuff. It's so hard to calculate all of the moving parts and keep, keep on top of it. So, yeah, I, yes. I have some degree of sympathy um, with that. And um, just on some other terminology, I just want to make sure I understand because you know when, when we do our modeling, obviously our, our guys have been in the, in, in the business a while. But for those you know enthusiastic uh, amateurs or, or clever bots that want to put their own models together, again things like depletion, the, the rate at, the rate at which the answers are, are depleted, kind of come, comes into this. And how do you report? On that, do you do you report on that on a quarterly basis, or is that you know incumbent on the? We do. The company? You do. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So our amortization and depletion, um, dominantly on Casarones associated with the tax payments there. With this quarter was one negative one point four million Canadian dollars. Just as an example. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yep. And what about and. So th- th- this, here's one of the key points I want to make, and that is that you, you discuss the fact that that our GNA is higher than our competitors. Absolutely, it is. There's a very fundamental reason why, and that is because we spend monies and expense those monies, i.e., they come in as losses each quarter um, for growing our royalty portfolio and running our business. And so, all the monies that we spend acquiring prospective mineral rights, adding value, collecting soil samples, rock samples, marketing those assets to the industry, those are all expensed. My competitors who don't do royalty generation, they go out and buy portfolios of royalties at a multiple of what it costs us to grow them organically through this process. They capitalize those expenditures. So they don't show up as expenses. They go on the book as a capitalized expenditure. Which means what? Well, which, <laughs> which means that, that they're their quarterly results look dramatically different than ours. Okay, okay. just just uh, just uh, just explain that a, a little bit more clearly because it, yes. it's it's an important differentiation. Which it's something that you would like to be an important differentiation between you and the way that other companies do their account, the other royalty and streaming companies do their accounting. And I appreciate you have a kind of prospect generation, sure. project generation component too. Let's say that uh, I don't want to name a competitor's name, so let's sure. just say royalty company X. They buy a portfolio of royalties that were generated in Nevada by a private company, and they buy that portfolio, it goes on their books. They now own, let's say it was 12 royalties. They now own those 12 royalties. The the shares in cash that they paid to buy that, commonly it's a share transaction, that goes on their books as an asset on the books, and it's capitalized. So it does not show up in that quarter as an expense, the way EMX would have done it we would have organically grown those 12 assets over time at a fraction of the cost that company X would have paid for them. And we expense our expenses every month and every quarter. And that goes into our GNA because of a significant portion of that expense is employing smart people to go out and acquire prospective mineral rights and to add value by doing good geology. So it, it, it's, it's an accounting variance that um, is representative of how we do our business relative to our competitors. And I I'm, I'm, I'm find myself continually explaining this to people, even very well-educated people and, and that are knowledgeable of our, of our sector. Um, I had this conversation with Adrian Day a couple of times, and it took a couple of different times where I talked to him through this and looked at the numbers. And then the light bulb came on and he says, now I get it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 
uh, and it's important that people understand that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like um, that, that amortization, and you know, um, sp spreading out spreading out the cost over time. To be defined, how much time? Um, I guess it's kind of like forward claiming revenue in a way. In a way, it is the equivalent of um, in, in regular businesses that we we sometimes evaluate. Say, if we want to buy, you know, we have to work out how much revenue is being dragged forward and how much is real. Um, okay, interesting. The other term I saw you used another point there. Yeah, please. You, you're discussing the depletion. So when you do capitalize something, yeah. you have to deplete it over time. So eventually, you do have to work that off through your books. Yeah. However, the way the accounting rules are written, this is interesting is you don't have to deplete that until such time as it starts to cash flow. So in the case of royalty company X, who bought the, that hypothetical 12 royalties in Nevada, right? Let's say it doesn't cash flow. So it sits on their books. They don't have to deplete it, right? Mm. Even though the money's yeah. long gone. Even though the money's long gone. That is correct. Okay. It's a key point. And this, is, this all has to do with how uh, North American gap and accounting rules are. Right. Okay, and I want to talk about another term that um, I kind of picked up when I was sort of reading through your stuff, which was um, you know direct royalty taxes. Obviously, it's all well and good talking about we're just we're discovering this thing, uh, this, these assets for cheap. We're 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 selling them, and then we're going to collect royalties further down the line. But there's also costs against that. So, what are direct royalty taxes, and who, who picks those up, and what, what sort of quantum uh, are we talking about? So it was very dynamic. We operated in 13 different countries. Yeah, and so. Um, we're, we're always, you know, planning ahead, planning for success with respect to how we develop our assets in Turkey and Chile, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but most countries, to simplify it, have a, a tax treaty between Canada and Chile or Canada and Turkey. So if you pay taxes in Turkey, you don't have to pay again in Canada or you only have to pay up to what the Canadian tax is. So let's say hypothetically, if you're in company country uh, uh, X, and you pay 20% tax and the tax in Canada were 25, then you pay the 5% more when you repatriate those monies back to Canada. It's the simplistic way of looking at it. So in most cases, uh, you can't get double taxed and we're always making sure that things are designed in a tax efficient manner, which is a changing landscape in the world, I might I might add. Okay, okay, I, I understood, I understood. Okay, thanks, thanks for understanding on, 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 the, on the terminology there. And I, and, I, and I kind of get what you're saying with regards to the way that you did your accounting. And we've talked about that on multiple occasions. The thing, the big thing I've got out of today is that Q2 is actually better than it perhaps looks at, at, at first glance. Let's record make, revenue. Record revenue. From, okay. Yep. Correct. Well done. I want to talk about Thank I want to talk you. about the future though because it's it, look it's it's a good start right but yeah, like I said you've been out of a while and and we 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 want this kind of ramp up uh, now for you I've got to talk about get attack get dick tepe uh, if I pronounced that I just butchered that you name. did well, thanks nice Jeff thank you um, work up early. Uh, but you, the deal that they, they, they look, they very imminent payment coming from them, it looks like. And can you just tell us about this kind of structure? There's, there seems to be like two components to that. What, what, what could that look like? And, and when are we expecting it? Yeah, there are two components to this deposit. So there's the upper oxide zone, uh, which uh, the deposit has been oxidized through geologic time. And that upper zone is enriched in gold and silver and not base metals. And that zone has the 10% royalty. The 10% royalty only applies to those uh, ores that go through the oxide circuit because the metallurgy is very different. So they design a completely different circuit to recover the gold and silver in the oxide zone. Then they will recover all the metals in the sulfide zone. Okay. So in the oxide zone, which has excellent, robust economics, there is a 10% royalty 
What? That 10%? Really yes, 10% gross royalty. How the heck do they make money? 10%? That's, I've never heard of something so big. They make money because the head grade uh, of that ore that they are stockpiling or that they're putting onto the pads today uh, is quite high, over two grams per ton. Well, they're, they're doing fantastic, in fact. And they did have some chemistry problems on the pad that slowed them up. Uh, they had a high rainfall year, but they've already caught up. They're back on schedule. They've produced the 10,000 gold equivalent ounces, which is the official, now we're in official commercial production that we start paying our royalty. They're calculating, literally calculating the first royalty now. Well, we'll receive that any day. Like, uh, like uh, literally any day, like this month? Literally, literally any day. Okay. Uh, this, this week. Yeah. This week. Okay. And in addition to that, there's a $4 million payment uh, on commercial production. Okay. So well, that's it. And this is USD. And, and that, uh, that, that payment's been booked as well. They will actually pay us 12 months after they've reached commercial production, uh, but it's already been booked uh, as per accounting rules once again. So the. But when, when does cash hit the bank? On that four million, the four million cash hits the bank in eleven months. Eleven months, okay, fine. So we we know that's coming, and then there's another yep. payment for when they sell bullion, and I don't know how often they sell bullion, but again, what's that look so, like? So the ten percent royalty payment. Yeah. Um, every time they sell bullion, they have to give us ten percent of the gross value, right? Wow. And that's the way the contract is written: is that every time they make a bullion shipment, they get paid, they pay us. Boom, boom, boom. But the, these companies uh, tend to yeah. sell these like on a weekly, fortnightly basis. I mean, as soon as it comes out of the ground, they, they want to, they want the cash, right? So you're not going to get paid once a week, are you? We'll get paid every time they make a, a bullion shipment. It's the way the contract is written. Okay, that's correct. I don't believe that they'll ship that frequently. Okay, um, and and they may not have settlement with the smelter that frequently. But as they as they settle and they get a check, they have to pay us. And have you, have you put out anywhere, and to remind me, and I apologize if I haven't seen it, a, a sense of the, the, the range that you're, you're expecting there? Or yeah, that there's you know, I, I think we're going to be uh, right around uh, 7 to 8 million USD in production royalty payments, plus the $4 million payment that is in addition to that. So it'd be 11 to $12 million in the first year. Okay, and is there a kind of ramp up to that? Like obviously year one looks good, 12 million bucks, is, is what you just so did So the quarter. ramp up was Sorry. during the first 10,000 ounces, Matt. Yeah. So the first 10,000 ounces, that was the ramp up. Then they hit 10,000 ounces, that's the definition of commercial production as per this contract. And then from that point forward, they pay and they're, everything we understand, we've been on site many times. Uh, we have excellent uh, communication with the with the counterparty, Lydia Modangelic. Right. What I'm trying to work out is whether it goes from what first year seven to eight, does year two go from nine to 12? I mean, what, what, what's the ramp up in that sense? Well, no, I, I think it's going to be fairly steady production right. over the course of the first three years and then start to tail off. And the oxide zone should be done in about five years time. In the meantime, they are developing the sulfide circuit in parallel. And that comes back to your original question about there being two parts to this deal. So the sulfide circuit also has deferred incremental payments in addition to a 2% royalty on the sulfide zone. And that has a longer mine life. Uh, I believe it's close to a decade mine life and the mineralization is open-ended at depth. So it's likely that they add additional resources over time. And that'll be a 2% royalty. And the economics of that are driven by copper and zinc, but there's a good gold and silver credit as well. Okay, we can come back to that another time. Um, sure. We do expect that to be in production late 23, the sulfide zone. Okay. 
Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay, we 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 better get modeling here. Um, the other thing, so I want to come back to um, uh, Casarones. Um, obviously, three point one million contribution, nice. Um, with for your fifty. And that's CAD. Yep. Yeah, CAD for your for your con- your contribution for mm-hmm. your fifty percent of the subsidiary. Um, is what does that ramp up profile look like? Was that kind of consistent? You expecting the similar so, source of revenue? Yeah, the last few months have been increasing as they did decrease production due to COVID related issues through 2020 and 2021. And we are seeing a a ramp back up to what their levels were in 19. Uh, We do expect that to continue uh, if they reach nameplate capacity for the constructed infrastructure that they have on site, it would yet have some more upside beyond that. Um, And uh, uh, they have expanded the mine life there from from 17, which would have been 16 years uh, this year. Uh, to 28, um, as they have done additional drilling um, and remodeled the deposit at current copper prices. And that's resulted in an extending of the mine life to 28 years. We we're very pleased about that. And uh, we do pay Chilean taxes on this. So the monies that come back to us um, are after tax. Uh, there's no further tax owed in Canada. And we're expecting in USD around seven to eight million dollars per annum. Uh, in USD after-tax money repatriated to Canada from Chile from the copper and molybdenum sales. Okay, okay, okay. So, so that's starting to look quite nice. So it's 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 been building, but you know, it's like I say, it's, it's, it's taken a while to get here. But now now we're here. It's kind of exciting. Um, one yeah, thing I just want to talk to you about. We, again, I want to come back to uh, Cobox. We talked about that in in Canada when I saw you mm-hmm. in Queensland. Mm-hmm. But I got to ask what, uh, update on Timok. What's going on? We continue to work with Xinjiang. It's an amicable relationship. The lawyers are working diligently to uh, write a royalty agreement that will not be disputed. I expect resolution to be announced in the near future. I, I will absolutely say that we are not motivated to get it done quickly. We're, get it, we're motivated to get it done properly. And that's the case for both Xinjiang and ourselves. So, uh, and, and I get asked this question many times, and that is, well, will you be paid for the royalties uh, at the new agreed upon royalty rate for the production that has already occurred, and the, and the answer is emphatically yes, of course. Okay. Okay. So there's a back, there's a back data component to this. Yeah. Uh, as as mm-hmm. well. So nice lump sum at the beginning. Um, okay. In the near future, I, I I know how this works. You, you guys can't say it. You, you, your solicitors will jump so on you. I, I you know I, let's say let's say a month. Let's I, okay then. But I. I um, within a month, but you know, I've said that previously and already been wrong. Um, let's let the lawyers do their job. Let's let okay. Let's not say a month. Let's say let the jo- lawyers do their yeah. job. Okay, good. Yeah. Happy with that. <laughs> hey, like you, you, you're kind of you kind of. Um, oh, let's let's talk cobalt because I, I there's somewhere I want to go. Sure. So um, you, you were super super stoked about um, the cobalt component. Obviously, it's a super exciting market for cobalt at the moment. Uh, how's how are things moving in Queensland? Yeah, we, you know, we keep mapping out the zone, collecting additional samples. Uh, we're very excited about this asset. It's one of the, the really cool aspects that EMX does that other royalty companies do. That, that is, we're out doing our own prospecting, finding our own assets. And we're still getting our arms wrapped around the size of this zone and the importance of it. But the as per the grades that we released in a press release a few months ago, you know, it, it, it's a very high grade and large cobalt system. And we're really impressed by this, a completely unknown previously to anyone. And uh, that's, 
you know, a very exciting asset in the portfolio. I don't know what business model we will attribute to that, but it will probably follow our traditional business model where we'll sell it off for a combination of cash shares and royalties. Uh, we, we will look at other alternatives as well. Yeah, super exciting space. Actually, one of our best perf- performers of the last two years uh, has, has been Cobalt. So yeah, I, I'm, I'd lo- love to hear more from you on that one you know, as, as it mm-hmm. moves forward. Um, so here's the thing I want to come back to. Current run rate, 50 million revenue a year. If you annualize run rate, okay. If we, if we, if we, 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 we let's let's go there. What, I think it'd be a little less than that because there's some bumps, you know, payment, okay. when payments arrive and whatnot. Okay, tell I, me I about the payments. We, tell me, tell me about those. I think I, you know, I think we're looking at twenty twenty three revenues that are going to be close to uh, between twenty five and thirty million USD. That's okay. Yeah, so I believe you were quoting CAD. So yeah, so this so this quarter's been you know. Q2 has been exceptional in, in, in that sense, if, if, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking kind of like, a, a, well, a study of creative growth on, on, on whatever that annualized run rate looks, looks like. And so that's going to come from Kerek uh, Tepe. Um, Timok will find yes. out this year. I'm going to get this year. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Right? Casarones. Yeah. Casarones. Yes. Start mm-hmm. starts delivering. What are the other What are the other elements that we need to be looking at as meaningful oh, contributors? Balia. Yes, Balia. Okay, and uh, uh, Balia in a similar situation as Gedek Tepe. Uh, they're they're in commercial production. That commercial production is increasing. I, I believe it will increase increase steadily over the course of the next five years. Uh, I'm expecting that to to pay yet this year hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then working into over a million dollars next year, and roughly increasing about one million USD per annum over the course of the next five years as they increase production from uh, uh, underground headings. And what they're doing is putting in a spiral decline. Then they're they're uh, getting into the mineralized zones, and then increasing the number of working headings in that zone. And as they increase those working headings, they can increase mill throughput. We've been told by the counterparty Esson Modangelic that uh, they expect 70% of mill capacity to be dedicated towards our royalty encumbered ground. So if you do the math on that, it's, it's, it's a robust number. Um, that'll take years for it to ramp up to that level. Mm. Uh, but um, um, we're very delighted in the, the, as you've heard me say for years, the exploration results there just continue to show they find more lensing silk. Okay. So I gotta, so I gotta, gotta, gotta come back to next year's 2023 numbers as, as you, you've laid yes. out. Um, if you're looking around your peers, I'm trying. I'm trying to w- work out whether you think you're fairly valued. In fact, I mean, all CEOs say oh, we're we're undervalued, right? I, you know, I expect the, fir- the first thing to come out of your mouth. But the, the reality, looking at ne- next year's numbers as you've laid out, do you think? When do you think this thing starts to move? Because it's it's kind of you've put such pressure on you guys for the last twelve months, right? You've raised money at whatever it was three thirty. You know, when I, earlier in the year, you've mm-hmm. um, kind of moving sideways. I, I appreciate it in a difficult market, but you mm-hmm. guys are, I've heard, you know, royalty and streaming companies come on here and tell me they're inflation proof, right? Because you net, net number. Royalties are great assets in inflationary times. Yeah, there you go, right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be the case. So what's it going to take? Ah, uh, well, you're, there's a, a significant difference there. You're discussing what the, how the market values the royalty companies versus how the royalties perform themselves. Uh, and, and there's a, uh, there's a bifurcation there. And, and that's an important one. And 
I'll point out that, you know, we've been trading sideways whilst many of our competitors have gone down more. So our alpha performance actually during this time frame has been, been, been pretty good. But there's key catalysts to really help achieve what you were alluding to previously, and that is get the TMOOC uh, issue settled. We are definitely in a risk-off environment in the capital markets. So people are saying we don't believe it until we see it. That's fine. I get that. Uh, but that will happen. We, we will get the TMUC issue settled. We will receive those copper and gold royalty checks from that huge mine. Uh, we're very pleased about that. The Gedeketepe checks will start to hit literally any day. Volume will hit in the next few weeks. Uh, Casseroni's already paying. And so this transformation of EMX uh, from a junior company building a royalty portfolio to a mid-tier company with strong cash flow is happening. My opinion is it's better to buy before the market sees it, but uh, we are in a risk. We are in a risk off environment. So, you know, uh, I, have, I have folks calling me up and talking to me about this and asking me when they should buy. And of course I say, well, you should buy right now, but the, uh, you know, you can wait till you see the royalty checks come in and then buy probably still do very well. 